It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligiorno. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties. If you got to travel someplace, make sure you rest your head at a Holiday Inn. My favorites, the Holiday Inn Resorts and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. But listen, I'll give you another reason why you should stay at a Holiday Inn property. Because I'll get you a discount. That's right. Call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364 and get a Billy C. discount. Or if you like me, you can't remember numbers, don't worry about it. Just remember our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. And finally, today's show... She's a being a brought to you in a part by my book. That's right. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy at Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. Or if you want a signed copy, uh, just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, click on the book. You want more than one copy? I love you. Just drop me an email. I'll hook you up with a special deal, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And uh, I'm starting another book. Starting another book. So I'll uh, keep you guys posted on that. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, we're going to give you breakdowns and predictions. There's a lot of fights this weekend. Uh, I'm going to focus on five uh, of the fights that uh, I will give you uh, the breakdowns and predictions on. And another one that I'm just going to give you my prediction on. Uh, I will be uh, breaking down and giving predictions on Tyson Fury, Sefri, Sarifi. That's going to be a quick one. Uh, I will also, of course, be uh, uh, giving the uh, breakdowns and predictions on, in my opinion, the two best fights of the weekend, uh, Terrence Crawford against Jeff Horn and Leo Santa Cruz against Abner Marais, along with the uh, uh, Jermel Charlo-Austin Trout fight. And I will pick the winner uh, of the uh, Terry Flanagan-Maurice Hooker fight. I won't break that one down. I only have so much time and so so much to do, so little time. Uh, but I want to kick off the show with some updates that have changed within the last 24 hours since we did our last show. Uh, first and foremost, the IBF has stripped Triple G of their version of the belt because he would not fight uh, Servi Um 
I, you know, I am so pissed about this, and I'll tell you why. This is the problem with the sport of boxing and the fact that the sanctioning bodies have their friggin' claws into the fighters. You know, all we want, and when you talk to any boxing fan, I don't care if, if it's a new fan or if it's an old fan like me, the one thing we have in common is that we all agree that it would be nice to have one champion in every division. But the sanctioning bodies are so proficient at preventing that from happening by uh, causing fighters to fight mandatories when they're working on unification fights, etc., etc. This is a perfect example of that. You know, not only, not only did the IBF grant permission uh, for Triple G to fight uh, Martiroshian, you know, they were looking at him to set up a, and fight Deverinchenko. Well, yesterday, which is we're going to talk about in a little while, Oscar De La Hoya had made a statement saying that the uh, train left the station on the potential showdown fight between Triple G and Canelo. Now, the IBF had no problem with Triple G and Canelo fighting each other and them holding off for the Deverinchenko mandatory defense. Uh, but since that fight was kind of tossed to the curb yesterday, okay, keep that in mind, yesterday it was tossed to the curb, uh, the IBF moved swiftly and stripped Triple G of the belt. Um, I, it, it just bothers me. Uh, and by the way, did I forget to mention that Team Triple G paid the IBF $20,000 to let them fight Martiroshian, and they had a, a, a contract that stated that as long as they fought um, Deverinchenko by August, uh, everything would be cool. The, the ink didn't even dry with the Triple G and to, uh, Canelo leaving the station comments because that discussion is back open, okay? Joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, on the uh, IBF stripping Triple G uh, first is uh, uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, I, you know, I, I can't stand these sanctioning bodies preventing unifications. It, it, it's the main problem with this sport. What's your thoughts on the IBF strip and Triple G? Well, I definitely am I'm not a fan of that. And, and you know, with, as you were stating earlier, the, you know, the sanctioning bodies want the grip and the control on what happens in the sport of boxing today. And they do so by preventing the world champion that they have recognized going across the board and unifying a championship belt uh, that may or may not squeeze one of these guys out. I mean, the sanctioning fees are one of the many ways they receive and they provide and they uh, can raise revenue to support them and their structure and their their uh, division, their whole uh, body. And, you know, these things here, as we were talking about in some of the significant fights from the past, you know, these are the things that the sanctioning bodies uh, do not work well with the sport of boxing. They have their own ways, their own agenda, and their own uh, things that they will provide and cough up and uh, let, uh, let the ugly head reveal itself uh, uh, to interfere and not really pay attention to the actual uh, uh, way the sport should be I don't want to say evolving, but be continuing 
to uh, progress along with the champions that may evolve. So, no, they're antagonistic to a lot of what we would like to see. And they just, uh, in this case, the IBF stripping Triple G, uh, they'll have their stated reasons because it doesn't conform to what they want to have done. But, you know, when, when you look at it, and we were saying with some other, like I said, significant fights, are these fighters bigger than the belts? Well, I, I think so on some levels, especially when the belts uh, try to do things like this and, and they're losing credibility. But it's still a pain in the neck and seeing how hard you got to work for a belt and for them to just throw it out the door for you and to, to take it away and strip you, um, you know, it, it's it's very damaging, I think. It hurts the sport of boxing. It hurts the integrity. It hurts the, the whole continuity of what makes a, a, the worthiness of a champion a world champion. It devalues the belts. Well, you know, and, saying, and, and, you know, the, the, whole, the whole issue with Deverinchenko and Triple G was the fact that it's not a big draw. You know, you're talking about, you, you go from Triple G against Canelo, uh, arguably one of the bigger draws in, in boxing today, and, and then all of a sudden the IBF has to say, well, listen, if you don't fight our guy, we're going to strip you. You know, they're the ones, the sanctioning bodies are the ones that are preventing, you know, uh, uh, the world to recognize one fighter as the champion. And, and this is the problem with the sport. You know, I can't stand the fact that, uh, you know, several, uh, fighters can walk around claiming that they're the world champion in any given division. You know, it, it, it's terrible. You know, it's hard to be a boxing fan. And this morning is a great example why. You know, it, how do you follow a sport? It's the only sport that everything, all the things that are included that, that move it and shape it, you know, uh, cause issues like this. All right? Um there's so much to talk about today. So many things have changed in the last 24 hours. So so let's stay with Triple G for a second. All right? The IBF strips them. All right? Um, now, Triple G also, in the meantime, uh, according to his promoter, uh, Tom Lafier, has a, uh, said that he would uh, come off his demand of a 50-50 split with Canelo. All right. Now he was de uh, demanding fifty-fifty. Yesterday we talked that uh, you know Oscar De La Hoya said, "Forget about it. We're going to move on. We're going to go fight Danny Jacobs, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Right. Um, the first fight between Triple G and Canelo, Triple G got thirty percent. Canelo got seventy. They were talking about a sixty-five uh, thirty-five split. Uh, according to Team Triple G, he's willing to come down to fifty-five forty-five, which I would assume. Uh, would be okay, or, um, you know, uh, even a 60-40 split, I'm sure he will agree to. So now, here's the question. Does, does and, and by the way, Oscar De La Hoya and Canelo, yesterday we were wondering about, you know, where's Canelo's stance on this? Is Canelo telling uh, Oscar De La Hoya to make these moves, or is it Oscar De La Hoya doing it himself? Uh, and I felt, and you did too, Sal, that it wasn't in the best interest of Canelo. Well, today we find out, that indeed, that the decisions are being made by both uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Canelo because uh, uh, Team Triple G has spoken to Team uh, Canelo, at least uh, uh, the guy that is uh, supposed to be doing the go negotiating, um, uh, Mr. Gomez. And Gomez, Eric Gomez uh, said that he will discuss the latest offer uh, from Triple G 
to uh, Oscar and Canelo to see if the train will get pulled back into the station so that we can have that fight. So let's assume that they agree to that, Sal. Does that mean the IBF says, oh, forget about it, we're not going to strip them? I... It, you see what I'm saying? It's just it, yeah. it's total BS, man. And 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 it's hard to be a boxing fan. And if anybody wonders why we lose fans at a rapid pace, this is a really good example. Well, it it is. It's hard to follow the bouncing ball. And and like I said, you know, fans can only endure so much. Uh, you know, they they uh, they have their favorite fighters. They look forward to seeing them showcase or do what they can do. And and they uh, like who they uh, may be rooting for or, or who's a world champion, and they support that. And then, you know, it's like I said, the politics in boxing, I mean, is is uh, unbelievable. I mean, it, it, there's more to the politics than to the actual simplicity of the sport, having two world-class fighters get in a ring together to see who's better. Uh, I mean, let's peel all the layers away and reveal the stuff and not the fluff because this is all the fluff, and I don't like it. You know, I, I, just, you know, there's so much to talk about today because I, I have other things too. But let me ask you this. Oscar De La Hoya, uh, you know, in my opinion, made himself look like an idiot, um, you know, by not continuing the dialogue here. I mean, uh, to, you know, make it pretty much it's over type of a, a comment yesterday. And we, we, we both agreed, and it seems like the masses agree, that there's no way that uh, a potential fight between Canelo and Daniel Jacobs, as much as I like the fight, will not generate as much money as uh, a rematch between uh, Triple G and Canelo. So with that said, do they go back to the bargaining table for real? And does Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya um, either you know accept the 60-40 or a 55-45 split and move forward with fighting Triple G in September? Yeah, I think they should go back to the bargaining table. Start from scratch. So, I mean, I don't care. Get you and I in there as a mediator. We'll make this deal happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's see what, what they could do. I mean, they, they should literally hold a press conference. You want to you get some eyes and attention on boxing? Have a public press conference. Let them nail it out and then talk about it. Let's, 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 see, let's see that format take place. Let's see something take place other than them just slinging and calling and, and shouting and saying this one's not cooperating, this one's looking for this. Let's see them negotiate. Let's see the negotiations under the microscope and see what happens. And let's see who really doesn't want to fight. Because as I always said, Bill, if two fighters really want to face each other and fight each other, they'll make it happen. And I said all along from the get-go, from the last time when Canelo got the gift of a draw against Triple G that he does not want to really fight Triple G again because I think Triple G will not only establish more dominance but he he may be uh, able to knock out Canelo this time. Well the one the one advantage that both Triple G and Canelo have uh in this situation is the fight whether people have uh, you know lost interest in it or not the rematch um, the fight still has more value than any other fight for each of the, yes. the, the, them. And and the fact that, that Triple G does not have the IBF belt as of this morning, um, I, I don't think that devalues the, the fight itself. Uh, you know, you get to a certain fighters get to a certain point and the belts don't mean anything. You know, it's more about the fans wanting to see the fighter. And, and you know, I, the IBF 
and not just the IBF, all of these sanctioning bodies should not be doing what they do. I get it about mandatories because I'm the same guy that complains about a young fighter who's working his butt off uh, in the gym and being bypassed or not getting the opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. But in this particular case, uh, they were looking for an excuse to strip uh, Triple G of that title. And and no disrespect to Devorinchenko, but this is an unknown guy, all right? He's not a known commodity here in the States. He's very limited as a pro in terms of the amount of fights that he's had and the value to, to fight him. You know, uh, the only people that are going to make money from Devorinchenko fighting, and, and of course they go down their list of who's available, which is total BS, man. I mean, we're going to end up with a fight that is so uh, undesirable. The only people that are going to make money out of this is the IBF because they'll be getting their sanctioning fees. They already made 20 grand from Team Triple G. Then they have the balls to strip him from a, from a strip that title from Triple G before he's even announced his next opponent. You know, I mean, theoretically, Triple G could have uh, stayed on his high horse, not fight uh, Canelo, and and if he couldn't cut a deal with with Billy Joe Saunders, I'm sure he would have had to have gone after Devonchenko. He's not afraid to fight Devonchenko by any stretch of the imagination. Just like some ignorant young fans are trying to point out that he's scared to fight him, that he ducked him, and all this other crap, which is total BS. The guy can't fight him because he makes no money fighting this guy. It doesn't make financial sense. For Triple G to fight a guy that's 13, 14, and 0, whatever his stupid record no. is, when he no. can fight all these other big names, Sal. I mean, no, that's the truth. No, sense. no, it's the truth. They're, they're, Triple G has shown in the past he is not afraid of, of any fighter out there that he have to face in the ring. He's not afraid of anybody. He could fight anybody. And you know what? He's shown in the past. I mean, he's taken on. I mean, you know, everybody in the media included and the sports sports pundits, uh, you know, maybe because he didn't look stellar against uh, uh, Daniel Jacobs, maybe because he didn't look stellar against Kell Brook, maybe because he didn't look stellar. You know, they, they're ready to jump on the let's criticize and let's pick apart Triple G. Guess what? Triple G was in the ring with other world beaters, world-class, potentially champion fighters. So, I mean, give the guy a break. He won. He did everything he could do, and he came out the victor. And you know what? So give the guy what he does best. Give him his just due. The guy's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's not afraid to fight Devin Cecchio or anybody. So, you know, get off that bandwagon, and let's look at the facts, and let's look at the details of what he has done what in his career and what he's trying to do in the twilight of his career. You know, I, the bottom line is, if, if you're going to fight for a title and that sanctioning body, they're going to have their rules, you know that there's going to be mandatories that you got to fight. I get it, okay? And Devorinchenko was a mandatory for the IBF. I get it. But the IBF made the first move in accepting $20,000 for, for letting, and they didn't put their belt on the line, but they let Triple G fight Martyrosian. Now, Triple G should not be criticized or suffer any consequences for fighting Martyrosian because Canelo tested positive for drug, for performance-enhancing drugs. People forget that. And to suggest that he should have slipped the Devorinchenko in there at the last minute, the guy was trying to salvage some money 
out of the deal to cover his expenses where he would have made $10 million or more fighting Canelo. And then he fights Martiroshian, who is a tough opponent and a, a, and a more well-known opponent than Deverinchenko. At least he made a couple of bucks. What could he have made against Deverinchenko? You know, maybe in hindsight, he should have fought Deverinchenko. Maybe. Uh, just yeah, just to, that. you know, just to fulfill that. You know, so, you know, uh, uh, so, so maybe the mistake was made there. But it certainly wasn't because they were afraid of Deverinchenko. Who has Deverinchenko fought? to suggest that he's even in the same discussion as a Triple G, a Daniel Jacobs, a Canelo Alvarez, you know, or, or even a Billy Joe Saunders. He, he's not even in the same discussion. Yet the IBF will will crown him a champion because they'll let him fight some bum. And then the IBF is the one that looks like a bunch of a-holes because they're the ones that are parading around a fighter that doesn't deserve to be a world champion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. And, it, and it's ridiculous. All right, now we're back to the possibility of a Triple G versus Canelo fight uh, in, uh, uh, in September. I still hold strong to my opinion, Sal, that if I'm Triple G, I go after Billy Joe Saunders and end it there. Or, or tell him to, to flip off the whole boxing world and not the fans, but all of the powers that be in boxing and walk away from the sport now. That would send a bigger message. It, it is so frustrating. I'll tell you what, we might take all next week off. I, I can't stand what's going on in this sport right now as of today. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I, I hear you. I can empathize with you. I can see and I can detect how, how upsetting it is to you. And I, I do agree. I will say, because I, I can't be a hypocrite, but uh, I will tell you this. There could have been a good case while they were scrambling, looking for Triple G to come up with an opponent for a May 5th fight. They should have maybe considered Deverinchenko for that whole thing. Could have been sold. It could have been good. Hey, let this me let me let me inter let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Sorry, my man Dave Ma. Dave Ma uh, 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 used to be part of this show and a good friend of mine. He's in, he's in the uh, one of the chat rooms now. He's just reminding me that Deverinchenko's last opponent was twenty three and twenty three. Uh, Deverinchenko <laughs> was twelve and zero going into that fight. So please don't anybody try and tell me that Triple G. Uh, yes. I agree with what I said, Sal. You know, maybe in hindsight he should have fought him just to, uh, you know, get, to get the him IB out of the way. To get it's him out of the way. Expose him. Right. It but would have exposed the IBF. Well, they're getting this guy. Look at the detail. Look at his resume. Exactly. You know, let's get this guy out of the way. And let's let the real boxers and the real world, uh, the, the sanctioning bodies, uh, scramble and do and see what they have to do about this. Let him. Yeah, he should have fought. He should have fought Jevrinchenko May 5th for the mandatory. Shut everybody up. And let the chips fall where they may, and that would have been good. Because you know what, Munarishian was, was was a good opponent, but guess what, Deverinchenko would have been a better opponent. I don't know if he would have been a better opponent. No, and, better and, to satisfy. Okay, he would have he would have satisfied. He would have satisfied. But but you know we're we're talking about a guy who the IBF approved a. 23 and 23 fight for Devrinchenko, but yet he's the mandatory. Give me a break. Give me a break. And speaking of wow. breaks, we're going to take a short one right now. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. 
Racing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a little jacked up today. And uh, uh, if anybody, if I'm offending anyone, uh, sorry. Too bad. But uh, uh, in any event, um, uh, there's more. There's more to, there's to, more? to, to today. Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Oscar De La Hoya. You know, I... I'm gonna have Jeremy get me his address so I can send him a new pair of fishnets. Cause maybe maybe that's his uh, his issue. He's uh, maybe the pair he's got now are, are hey, getting hey, a little hey. too tight on him because he's uh, uh, putting on some weight. But uh, uh, in any event, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, you know, I have never. I I don't know if I've ever seen a fighter that has gotten such so much uh, flack uh, as Triple G. You know, when he was when he was fighting. And people were giving him credit. You know, when Floyd was fighting, all the Floyd fans were discrediting Triple G, right? Then Floyd retires, and then the Canelo fans discredit Triple G. You know, Triple G seems to have been a, a fighter that has been avoided um, throughout his career as a pro. And yet, this is a guy that, you know, give credit what credit's due with Oscar De La Hoya. He, he, he seemingly has been successful in turning the uh, the the villain hat from Canelo to Triple G, which is I I don't know how he did it. I I, I mean maybe maybe Oscar De La Hoya should should become a po politician because you know he he successfully has turned it around. And then the IBF, you know, if I'm a fighter, I don't even want to fight for their belts. And no disrespect to Devorinchenko, you know, I know that he's a a, a tough fighter, and I know he, he had a, a very uh, extensive amateur career, but let's be real. He's 12 or 13 fights. Maybe, maybe four, I, I don't even have his record in front of me. I think he's 13-0 and 0 or 14-0, and 0, something like that. You know, I, I mean, come on. Come on. But wait. There's more, There's more. Sal. There's, There's more. more. There's because more. because you sound like Ron because, because we all want the other fight. Anthony Joshua against... Deontay Wilder. Now, Deontay Wilder, Me who's too. been pounding his chest, saying he's the best, saying everybody in the heavyweight division is so scared of me. They're all scared of me, you know. Easy, and he's fought easy, one guy. Easy, yeah, whatever, man. Sal, whatever. But the point is, is that, you know, the guy really has one name under his belt. So we all want him to fight Anthony Joshua to prove to everyone once and for all who the best heavyweight on the planet is. Now, the two camps have uh, both uh, admitted that they're negotiating, et cetera, et cetera. And as time is running out, because Anthony Joshua's in the same situation as Triple G was, he's got a mandatory uh, from the WBA uh, to fight Alexander Povetkin. So all the while we're getting updates, Eddie Hearn says this, uh, Team Wilder says that, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was announced by Team Povetkin that they are indeed... Um, very close to announcing a location and a date for Anthony Joshua to fight Alexander Povetkin next, uh, as we anticipate, or at least I anticipated, and that the uh, uh, Deontay Wilder fight will be uh, taking place after that. Uh, he said that the negotiations are good, and we're very close to making, a, uh, uh, making an announcement as soon as early next week. However... 
It was also reported for the first time publicly that Team Wilder and Shelly Finkel specifically, who's a, a you know respectable guy in the business, of course. If you've uh, uh, if, you know if you're 40 years old or older, you know who the hell uh, Shelly Finkel is. He says that we're real close to having a deal done too, and that the fight would happen in the fall. All right, so I, I mean, he says that we're already accepted to go to the UK. We're working out some small uh, details, and we're real close to making an announcement for the fight to happen in the fall. So I don't know what's going on. Is Anthony Joshua going to fight Povetkin, then immediately fight Deontay Wilder? Absolutely not. That's not going to happen. Are they going to cut a deal and then go, uh, uh, you know, cut a deal with Wilder in the fall and then take Povetkin? Povetkin uh, is also a guy that has been in discussion saying if they do, and I say they meaning the WBA, let's uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder fight because it's a unification, well then Povetkin will be in line to fight the winner no matter who the winner is. What's your thoughts on that, Sal? Ay, ay, ay. I'm still following a bouncing ball there, Bill. I'll tell you. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. What's your thoughts? <laughs> well, my yeah. my thoughts are the same as they've always been. That Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder will not fight this year. That and they will fight it. next year. The fight was already... Uh, listen, listen. I, boxing, not, I, I'm not just somebody... You know, for anybody that doesn't know, I'm not just somebody who's just... You know, uh, this show is an opinion-based show. But... I've been involved in the boxing business for almost 37 years. I've promoted fights. I've managed fighters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? The business of boxing, these guys know what's going on. This isn't, you know, they're playing the fans against each other. They're trying to get hype. The problem I have is if, if uh, for an example, I'll use Devorinchenko as an example. If Devorinchenko was a fight, that's a guy that you need to marinate and, and develop some kind of hype over because he's an unknown commodity, okay? But when you're dealing with a guy, with two fighters like Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder or Canelo Alvarez and, and Triple G, the fans already want the fight. They're already drooling over those fights. There's no reason to keep waiting. The risk is too much. Anything can happen in this business in We've terms of We've said it. yeah, in terms of injury, in terms of freak things happening, and then all that money gets flushed down the toilet. It, make no mistake, it's about the friggin' money. All right, I, I don't care when people say it's not about the money. As soon as somebody says it's not about the money, Sal, what does it mean? It's about the money. Exactly. Exactly. As soon as they say it's but. not about the money, it's about, exactly. That's, you, as soon as they say it's not about the money, you know damn well it's about the money. All right. And then you take the then take the other uh, the other scenario that you just said. You know, I don't. I, I, what happens when somebody says, Sal? What happens when someone says, I don't want to make an excuse? But but here comes the, the excuse. excuse. The you know, excuse. so I mean, come on, it's the same thing. It's as, the same thing. It's an excuse disguised as a fugazi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, uh, why is it the only sport? I've said this time and time again. It's the only sport that allows people that don't know crap about it to be involved. It's the only sport. I have the one thing I've never done in this sport is I've never been a trainer and I've never claimed to be a trainer and I have no business being a trainer. But the sad truth 
is if I went to a, 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 a commission and there was a fight card and I said, here's my money to be the chief second and I paid for that license for that commission, I would become a chief second for that fight without any experience being a trainer. That should not be allowed, Sal. Well, it, it does happen on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, it, it for whatever purpose, it, it, it's allowed. And, uh, hey, you know, it, it, boxing has, as I said earlier, it, it has evolved, it's streamlined, but the bottom line is you, you don't change what it really is. You got two men trying to beat each other in a squared circle, and uh, that's the boilerplate of what the sport is all about. And uh, the seconds and everything else, uh, you know, they're, they're not no pun. They're secondary. Um, but they're allowed. And uh, to look at what the real issues are in the game of boxing today, uh, there's a lot to worry about, to be concerned with, or to repair, or to streamline, uh, more so than just worrying about a second paying a, paying a fee to be in a corner. But it's so true, Bill. You you would think they'd have to go through some type of uh, uh, test, some type of credibility uh, plateau they got to reach, or or they got to take a handbook of knowledge or whatever. I I'm all for that. I'm all for something like that. As far as what their role should be in the corner, I, I think they should have a licensing uh, uh, practice. Maybe that's another another direction. You know, they can go because you know you you see some in it seconds in that corner that uh you know how the heck did they get there well they paid a fee as you said they're rah-rah men most of them are rah-rah men that's another topic but um you know I, I, listen is it conceivable that anthony joshua fights pavetkin let's say in 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 august and then comes back and then he fights uh you know uh, deontay wilder in in you know the end of november beginning of december yeah the time could work the time frame could work, uh, and it would have to take place in Wales because of the weather conditions and stuff. But um, we'll see. We'll see. One other thing I want to mention uh, that was another complete uh, curveball in the last 24. All of these things that we're talking about so far on the show have taken place in the last 24 hours. All right. Dillian White, we were talking yesterday about yesterday. We were talking about Bob Arum, who, you know, is the famous guy who said I was lying yesterday, but I swear I'm telling you the truth today, uh, announced uh, for the world to hear that, um, you know, Joseph Parker would be fighting his, you know, because Top Rank has got his claws in, in, in Joseph Parker and Bryant Jennings. And we talked about it yesterday that they said that this fight is almost signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, Parker's team said, yes, we have the paperwork. We've agreed verbally. We haven't signed it because we have other things on the table. They mentioned Ustinov, Alexander Ustinov. But today it was announced, or late last night it was announced, that Joseph Parker will indeed be fighting in London again in July, July 28th. Will it be against Bryant Jennings? No. It's going to be against Dillian White. And I got news for you. I love this fight. I think that Dillian White against Joseph Parker is a great fight. The funny thing is, is that Dillian White was just, 
in negotiations because he became a mandatory for somebody else. So, you know, the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, Sal, the fights against when you put a good fighter against another good fighter, that's the fight people want. You know, the yes. best thing that could happen is that these sanctioning bodies greed themselves out of business. The only people that make a sanctioning body able to survive and, and, and give them, breathe life into a sanctioning body are the promoters and the television networks that give value to these sanctioning bodies. If everyone would turn around and say, forget it, I'm not paying the sanctioning fee, I don't give a crap about your belt, I'm going to make the best fight with the best available fighter, and then you will see uh, uh, not only the best fights made, but you'll see these sanctioning bodies will wise up. When a name gets big enough, uh, the sanctioning bodies kiss their ass. Look at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather, did, he hardly did anything, and every sanctioning body wanted, uh, and I mean hardly did anything, meaning, you know, he, he looked for, you know, the, 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 the least amount of risk with the maximum amount of award. Of course, he accomplished uh, great things. But, uh, you know, look at the sanctioning bodies, how they reacted to Floyd Mayweather. They all tripped over each other to have Floyd fight for his uh, one of their own belts so that they could say that he was one of their champions. Well, this is the same thing with other fighters. You know, the IBF doesn't care uh, that Devorinchenko isn't a name. They just care that that team is willing to pay. And besides, I would look into that because Lou DiBella doesn't pay for anything. But uh, anyway, listen, I'm over my time. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got another little bit of news. Then Sal I and I are going to break down and give you our predictions uh, of the uh, of the fights, uh, the big fights anyway, uh, scheduled for this weekend. Uh, so uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy. Man, uh, I need you to take this one. Right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C? Damn it! Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Don't forget it's Super Chat Thursday. I haven't mentioned that. Uh, we've been doing a show. We're on air now for an hour. And, uh, well, no, I guess a half hour. And I uh, haven't mentioned it. Super Chat Thursday. Get your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns discussed on air. So uh, just give us a Super Chat. Uh, I'm here with Sal, Rocky Senecola. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick, Sal, is, you yes, know, uh, one other uh, kudos to uh, uh, Eddie Hearn and, and match box, uh, Matchroom uh, uh, Boxing. You know, I, this is a real promoter. The, the, you know, you could say what you want about them. And, and, you know, promoters, you know, their main their main goal is to make money and stuff. But this guy is is consistently coming up with some really good fights. And the Dillian White and Joseph Parker uh, matchup uh, in, in July is just another example of that. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, when you look at Bob Arum and, and traditionally Bob Arum, I know he's been in this business and he's been at the top 
uh, of uh, uh, the sport for, you know, uh, a half a century. Uh, you know, he's done it. He's he's done it kind of sneaky, you know, like uh, he makes this announcement that um, Parker is going to be fighting Brian Jennings. And then, you know, less than 24 hours later, we get the the official announcement. I mean, it's definitely official that Will White and Parker are fighting because they're going to have a press conference today. So uh, it just goes to show you, you know, you uh, you can't believe what he says anytime, right? I don't know. I don't know. I can't follow every bouncing ball. <laughs> That's for sure. No, hey. But speaking of uh, speaking of Bob Arum, um, yeah, how's Bob Bob Arum, Bob Arum says, and 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 you know, Charlie says no. Bob Arum says, um, get used to ESPN three. Uh, I'm sorry. ESPN Plus. He claims it's the future, blah, blah, blah. Get used to watching fights on ESPN Plus. I am against the ESPN Plus. Uh, let me rephrase it. I'm not against ESPN Plus and the idea be, behind, you know, uh, giving the consumer a direct link uh, to uh, programming. I've predicted that that was the way it's going to be. I said this years ago. You know that. Um, but I don't think that Bob Arum is doing Terrence Crawford any justice by putting his fight on ESPN Plus at this beginning stage of the service, all right? I get that they're trying to force people to pay to $4.99 and sign up for this, uh, this service in order to watch Terrence Crawford, but the truth is, is when they first tried to put Terrence Crawford on as a pay-per-view, it didn't work out. Terrence Crawford was still being built up, in a sense, from worldwide recognition. He's in a weight class now that has a lot of competition, and there's a lot of uh, potential gain with him. I think that Bob Arum is actually taking a step back in terms of Terrence Crawford's uh, value and building up Terrence Crawford by putting his title uh, a shot fight against Jeff Horn on this network exclusive. I think that putting it on the network um, at a cheaper price, maybe offering a pay-per-view for, for you know, uh, more money uh, would, would have been a smarter deal. You know, would have directed people that were concerned about paying a higher price and then sign up for the streaming app and then, uh, you know, slowly uh, put your, your toes into the, into the ESPN Plus uh, rather than taking it the way he is. He's saying, take Terrence Crawford or leave it. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I'll be able to watch that fight live. Uh, I may have to wait and, and catch it because uh, uh, I don't want to watch it as a stream. I'm probably going to be watching uh, the other fights. What's your quick thoughts before we break down the fights, Sal? All right, quick thoughts. I'll tell you, uh, it's it could be quite the opposite of what you're stating. It could be, and I because I got to look at things from every angle: the uppercut, the overhand right, the left hook. You know, those all angles. <laughs> so let's look at it like this: what better way to to promote or to you know, Terrence Crawford is a great fighter. His ability, his talents. Are are superior. He he's a he's one of the pound for pound guys we talk about all the time. He's phenomenal. He's great. Uh, his story is even more exciting. How he was uh, basically uh, brought in to be the opponent, and he he overcame that, devastating the other opponent, and that's why he's a world champ. And it's a great story. But now, 
let's say see this. If you're not a fight fan, if you're just a casual fight fan, you may not know or may not even have heard of uh, Terrence Crawford. Well, guess what? We're going to start this new format that is going to be the, the way of the future, and we're going to have Terrence Crawford uh, and Jeff Horn be the, the pioneers, and we're going to put them out there the first time. Well, now Terrence Crawford's name is going to be associated with this streaming with the ESPN3 and everything else. So it's just another way to look at it possibly as a marketing ploy and also giving a venue to try. And you learn from uh, first-timers. You learn. You tweak. You get grow. You, you, you build it up. You build it down. But it's a good pioneer step for a, a, for a credible world champion fighter, world-class fighter, two guys. Uh, that will be uh, considered world champions and world-class fighters to get in the ring and pioneer and be the first notable fighters to have this service. I, I, I think it could be good for for, for uh, a lot of reasons. Hey, Sal, who, who loves you more than me? Who loves you more you. than me? Okay, no one loves you more than me, Sal. I love you. True. But what the hell are you talking about? You know, this makes no sense, and I'll tell you why. Okay, uh, first of all, why. all of the all of the... New technology and all of that, I agree with what you said, okay? But my point was this. Terrence Crawford, as much as the diehard boxing fan knows how talented this guy is, he's an unknown commodity for the yes, casual fan, just like you said. So why would you put him in, in, a, in a showcase of a brand new service when it should be the other way around? They should be getting their feet wet with the new service with other fights start to build up the the subscription numbers and then at the same time try and build up the the uh you know wherewithal the the attention that the fans and even casual fans should have with terence crawford the way to do that is to put him on a platform that's easy for people to get not something that they have to go out of their way for to get you know, in this case, you're paying extra. The smartest move for Terrence Crawford, if you want to make him a household name, is put him on network television. That's the smartest move. But the greed factor is preventing that. You know, Bob Arum learned that by putting Terrence Crawford on a pay-per-view was not financially rewarding. No, so not. instead of, of keeping him on, at, at the very minimum, a major cable network, or even ESPN. I thought that doing the ESPN deal was smart, but not the ESPN Plus, the streaming. You're, you're. It's almost like he's he's keeping his control over Terrence Crawford. That that he's making Terrence Crawford need him, and I disagree. I think that Terrence Crawford could arguably be the pound for pound top fighter. And, and on my list, he's number two. But you know, I love Terrence Crawford. And uh, anyway, listen, let's start breaking down these fights because I, there's there's a lot of fights this weekend. Uh, I, I, I just want to start off. The ones we're going to break down, Tyson Fury against Sefer Sarifi, which uh, is going to take two seconds. The fight that's really the, 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 the title fight on that card is Terry Flanagan against uh, Maurice Hooker. Um, I, I'm not going to break it down, but I'm going to give you my quick prediction on that. Terry Flanagan is going to uh, win that fight, uh, retain his uh, title. Uh, we'll break down the uh, Terrence Crawford-Jeff Horn fight, Leo Santa Cruz, Abdemaris, and Jamel uh, Charlo uh, against uh, Austin Trout. So let's start off uh, with the uh, uh, first 
fight that we'll talk about quickly is uh, Tyson Fury <laughs> making his comeback uh, after almost three years outside the ring. Uh, he steps in the ring with uh, Sefer Sarifi. And, uh, you know, Tyson Fury is obviously not ranked uh, because of his long, uh, you know, uh, exile, so to speak, or added a, added a uh, ring. Uh, he's got a record of uh, 25 and 0. Uh, 18 of those wins coming by knockout. He's still uh, not 30 years old. He's 29. Uh, he will be 30 in August uh, of this year. Six foot nine, 85 inch reach. Uh, his last fight was a uh, unanimous 12 round decision over Vladimir Klitschko back in November of 2015. He's a former uh, world heavyweight champion, the linear champion, etc., etc., etc. I have been talking about him, and aside from Vladimir Klitschko, and no one loves Tyson Fury more than me. The truth of the matter is, is that he has fought uh, club fighters. Uh, I mean, really, you know, Derek Chisora, Christian Hammer, uh, Kevin Johnson was a, a quality fighter, but Kevin Johnson's goal in this fight was to survive, which he did. I loved the Martin Rogan fight. Well, Rogan was a taxi cab driver, just a tough guy. Nevin Pikic was a uh, was the uh, Canadian heavyweight champ at the time, club fighter. You know, I mean, um, you know, Tyson Fury, uh, you know, that's what he did. Now he's stepping in the ring uh, against uh, Sefer Sarifi, uh, a guy that uh, is a cruiserweight. I mean, he has fought at heavyweight before. Uh, he uh, has an impressive record uh, when you just look at the record. Uh, 23 wins, 21 coming by knockout gives him an 88% uh, knockout ratio. He's only got one loss in which he went the distance. Uh, this guy's ranked at number 66 as a cruiserweight. So, I mean, <laughs> he's not exactly a killer in, in his own division. Uh, he usually weighs between 197 and 200 pounds. His biggest size was when he fought Manuel Char, which, by the way, is the WBA's regular heavyweight champion, which is a joke in itself. And he was 212 pounds, and that's his lone loss. He lost to him. Uh, Tyson Fury had the gall to say in a press conference yesterday that he could have picked someone easier than this guy, that this guy is a tough guy, etc., etc. I don't know if you've seen the photos, but he's a foot taller. I, this fight's not going to go to distance. I'm easily picking Tyson Fury to win this one. Sal, I, I would be shocked if you went uh, any other direction, but uh, I'll go through the formality. Who, who do you like in this one, Sal? Well... Jack Dempsey? <laughs> right. I think you're right. Jack Dempsey has a good chance of winning in the condition he's in right this second uh, over uh, Sarif. You know, so. I, I think, you know, Tyson Fury is doing what he has to do. And if he wants to be back on a serious note, uh, uh, he's he's got to start somewhere. And why not start with Severin Safiri? And, and, you know, that's the comeback trail. Uh, it should not go the distance. And uh, I'll predict that. And uh, I think that Tyson Fury uh, should do what is expected. He should outbox and, and win this fight against Sefer Fury. And, uh, uh, you know, hey, hey it's, it, it, it's interesting. And, yes, I will want to watch this fight because I want to see uh, which Tyson Fury shows up. You know, and, and uh, I think he, he's worked hard. He's back in shape. But let's see uh, what comes out of his fist and what comes out of his mouth afterwards. Any version of Tyson Fury can show up and win this fight. That's the sad part. The next one we're going to uh, pick is the co-main event on the Showtime 
uh, card. Jermel Charlo against Austin Trout. Uh, Austin Trout is ranked number 15 in the world at middleweight. Uh, he was a former world junior middleweight champion, but he had moved up. He's a southpaw at five foot nine and a half with a 72-inch reach. He's 32 years old. His record, 31 wins, 17 by knockout, four losses in which he was stopped uh, one time, and that was in uh, October of last year when he stepped in with the giant, Jarrett Hurd. Uh, he's fought 233 rounds of a pro with a 49% knockout ratio. Uh, he did get a W in his last fight, which was in February of this year. He won an eight-round decision over Juan D'Angel, who was 21 seven losses in a draw. But prior to that, uh, in the fight I mentioned against Jared Hurd, he looked good in the first half of that fight, but then was physically beaten up in the in the last uh, uh, half uh, or the last five rounds. It was uh, he uh, couldn't come out. Uh, losing that fight on the record uh, in the 10th round. Prior to that, he went 12 with Jamal Charlo, the brother of Jamal, who he's fighting. Uh, when you look at Austin Trout, he does, he had been in there with some good fighters. Uh, he lost a decision to Ursani Larry. He lost a decision to Canelo Alvarez. He beat Miguel Cotto. Uh, he won his world title against Rigoberto Alvarez back in 2011. He had successful defenses against David Lopez, Frank Laporto, and Delvin Rodriguez. Uh, that was a different version of the version of Austin Trout uh, we see today. Um, we will see him perform at his best, whether it's going to be good enough. I don't know. He steps in the ring with Jermel Charlo, the twin brother of Jamal Charlo. Uh, Jermel is the WB. Uh, C junior middleweight champion. He's four years younger than Austin Trout at 28. He's ranked at number two in the world at junior middleweight. At five foot eleven, he's two inches taller uh, than his opponent, and with his 70 inch, 73 inch reach, he's got a one inch reach advantage. Um, he's undefeated at 30 and 0 with uh, uh, 15 knockouts. Um, his last fight, he demolished Erickson Lubin, uh, who was a raw fighter. Charles Hatley in the fight before, he knocked him out uh, in six rounds. Hatley had never been tested. It was his first real uh, opponent. Uh, the fight that uh, he won the title against John Jackson, uh, John Jackson went into that fight with a record of 20 wins and two losses. His two losses were the only fights that John Jackson had against top opposition. Uh, he also has a win over Vanis Martirosian, uh, the tough Gabe Rosado, and Demetrius Hopkins, all impressive wins. But since including winning the title and defending the title, he's been, uh, I think, overmatched his opponent. With that said, I think Austin Trout is beyond uh, what he used to be. And uh, I'm going to pick Jermel Charlo uh, in this fight, even though uh, I'm not sold on the Charlo brothers. What's your thoughts? Bill, my thoughts are this. I, I, nobody could break down a fight. And go into the details with the with the different variables and different things than you. And I, I commend you on that. It's great. And uh, you know, based on what I know and what I listen to from you, you know, it's I, I'm a Charlo brother fan, brothers fan. I, I like both the Charlo brothers, and I think that Austin Trout, you know, his better his days of of. Uh, being awesome, awesome trout, uh, probably are a little past, and I think that uh, Jamel Charlo should beat him and uh, will outbox him. 
And uh, so I choose Jamel Charlo to uh, win this fight. You know, the funny thing is, Sal, it's funny you said that you think he's going to outbox him. I, I think that Austin Trout's actually going to do very well in the beginning of the fight, just like he did I think he will. against I think Jared Hurd. Yeah. But, uh, no, but he'll I think, put up a fight. He'll yeah, no, no. I, it's, I a just, good, it's a good fight. Yeah, I just think he's going to run out of gas. I, I just think he's been in, too, he's been in there with some, with some tough guys. I mentioned those names. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, the fight that could easily become the fight at a weekend in terms of uh, – you know, competitiveness is this next one that we're going to talk about. And that, of course, is the main event on the same card. Leo Santa Cruz against Abner Mares. You know, I love both of these fighters. Yes, and, and this was a tough uh, one for me to pick. Abner Mares is currently the WBA featherweight uh, champion. He's ranked at number four in the world at featherweight. Uh, at five foot four and a half inches, he's three inches shorter than uh, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, and he's got a three inch shorter arm reach uh, at 66. He's 31 wins, 15 coming by knockouts, and he's got two losses in which he was stopped uh, uh, one time, and he was knocked out by Johnny Gonzalez back in 2013. Uh, he's got uh, 262 rounds, which is actually 30 rounds uh, more than Leo Santa Cruz. When I take a look at Abner Mares and I go back in time, uh, Yanni Perez is the guy who gave him his draw. Uh, that was back in uh, 2010. Uh, Yanni Perez uh, and him at that time uh, were uh, on a collision course. It was a very evenly matched fight and ended up as a draw, majority draw. Um, but then the wins he's got, he beat... I, which was one of my favorite fighters in, in the uh, uh, Bantamweight division, uh, King Kong Egbeko twice, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, uh, those were the uh, low blow fights uh, that uh, got uh, uh, the referee banned for a little bit. Uh, but he's also got a win over Victor Chinian, uh, Ansemelio Marino, Eric Morale. I mean, he's fought some tough guys. Daniel Ponce de Leon, he stopped in 2013. He, he got that loss against Johnny uh, Gonzalez, but he, he came back and rattled off uh, three wins in a row. Uh, Jonathan Aquendo, Jose Ramirez, and Arturo Santos Reyes, all decent opponents. And then he got a shot at um, Leo Santa Cruz, and lost a very close majority decision in 2015. He followed that with two wins, a split decision win when he picked up the WBA featherweight title in December of 2016 against Jesus Marcelio Andres Cuellar. And then in his last fight, which was October of last year, he won a technical decision, a 10-round technical decision over Andres Gutierrez, and which set up the rematch against... Uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Now, when I take a look at Leo Santa, now Abner Marys, just just so you know, uh, he's a come at you fighter, and uh, he's a a guy that loves to exchange with you, and that's exactly what Leo Santa Cruz loves to do. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, known for his punch output, uh, he's also known for that stupid little thing he does, flashing his glove. I, I know it's going to catch up with him someday. I know it's a hard habit to beat, uh, but he's currently the WBA junior lightweight champion, so Abner Marys is actually moving up in weight to fight him. He's ranked at number one uh, at uh, uh, featherweight, which is which is weird. Uh, I mean, he's uh, super featherweight. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm totally wrong on this. He's the super featherweight title holder he's ranked number one uh at the uh, uh featherweight I, I keep forgetting that the wba is so confusing it's not a junior lightweight he's a featherweight champ uh so they are both uh in the same division so my bad there uh it's a unification 
uh, fight uh, of sorts because Abner Marys is the WBA regular featherweight champion and Leo Santa Cruz is the WBA super uh, featherweight champion. So uh, super world featherweight champion. It, it's confusing, but hey, it's a WBA. Uh, five foot seven and a half, 69 inch reach. Uh, he's... Uh, his draw, he's got his record is thirty four wins, one loss. His one loss was against Carl Frampton that he avenged uh, in January of last year. His last fight was an eight round uh, stoppage over Chris Avellos. Uh, he uh, uh, had a draw in his career, but it was his second professional fight uh, uh, against a one one and one Rodrigo Hernandez. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz. I love this guy's story. There's there's really nothing about Leo Santa Cruz I dislike except that habit of his of spinning his glove all the time. Uh, I think this is going to be a very entertaining fight, and it's really hard for me to pick this one because, you know, Abner Mary seems to be, uh, you know, revigorated. Re uh, what do they call it? Uh, revigorated. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Um, and uh, But at the end he of the day... At the end of the day, I, I'm he going with I, I'm going with Leo Santa Cruz. You know how can I go against a guy that gets in behind a mic and apologizes to his fans uh, after he loses? No, after he fails to knock out his opponent, he wins, but he apologizes when he doesn't knock out his opponent. How can you go against a guy like that? Be prepared for a barn burner between Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Marais. I'm going with Leo Santa Cruz. Sal. Wow, I'll tell you what. Uh, this is a great fight. I, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight. As you uh, hinted, they're not going to have to look for each other. They're both uh, move forward, let's let's exchange and trade kind of fighters. Um, we'll see who's got the better defense. But uh, I, for a multitude of reasons, will also go and side with uh, Leo Santa Cruz to come out victorious. All right, and for, uh, let's see, the last fight uh, we're going to uh, break down and give you our predictions on is uh, kind of the main fight of the weekend, uh, Terrence Crawford against Jeff Horn. Uh, my, my big question is, does Jeff Horn actually have a shot at beating Terrence Crawford? Terrence Crawford was a former unified junior welterweight champion. He was also a former lightweight champion. This is the first time that he's uh, moving up to welterweight and getting an immediate shot at a world title, uh, and that would be Jeff Horn's title. Terrence Crawford uh, ranked at number one as a junior welterweight. Finally, uh, you know, we keep a fighter in a division until he actually fights. You know, I, it bothers the hell out of me when I see a fighter all of a sudden get ranked uh, when he never fought in a division before. So that's why I like to go by the computer rankings. Uh, at five foot eight, Terrence Crawford has actually given up an inch in height. Uh, however, he's got a two inch reach advantage. His record is a perfect one 32 and 0 with 23 knockouts, no draws, 72% knockout ratio. He's only got 168 rounds under his belt. But, you know, the reason why I love Terrence Crawford so much isn't only because he's willing to engage, isn't only because he's a smart fighter, isn't only because he's such a great defensive fighter, but this guy's got a mean streak. He goes in there he and he does. tries to take care of business. He'll, he'll feel you out for a couple of rounds and then he puts his foot on the gas. I love him. You know, you got to go back and you got to remember back in 2013, and this is true, boys and girls, he's only really been... Uh, considered uh, a top guy for, for five years because when he was brought in to fight Breedis Prescott back in 2013, he was the B-side. 
and he wins a unanimous decision. Then they put him in with Alejandro Sanabria, uh, who was uh, trying to uh, 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 get back on track. And again, uh, Terrence Crawford was the B-side, and again, he wins. He knocks out Sanabria. They also brought him in to fight an undefeated uh, Andre Kilimov, again, as the B-side. And what does Terrence Crawford do? Wins a 10-round decision. That sets him up for the final time he was brought in as a B-side when he was brought in to challenge Ricky Burns for his WBO lightweight title uh, back in uh, March of 2014. What does he do? He beats Ricky Burns in Scotland, and then the powers that be said, whoa, wait a minute, maybe this guy is something special. Do they give him an easy fight after that? Absolutely not. They stick him in with Yoriakis Gamboa, and he knocks out Gamboa, who was undefeated at the time, who was 23-0, and knocks him out in nine rounds. Then he fight. does he get an easy opponent after Gamboa? No. He fights Ramondo Beltran, beats him in 12 rounds. Does he get an easy opponent after Beltran? No. He gets a shot at the uh, junior welterweight title against Thomas DeLorme. Thomas DeLorme was 22-1. What does he do? Knocks out DeLorme. And then people said, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe Terrence Crawford really is that good. And all of a sudden, we start seeing him fight in his hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. He beat Derry Jean. He beat Henry Lundy. He even beat Victor Postal. Uh, he beat John Molina, Felix Diaz. And in his last fight, He's when he unified, yeah, when in his last fight, he unified the, the title by blowing out Julius Ndongo. I think that Terrence Crawford's record speaks for itself. He steps yeah. in the ring and he yeah. fights Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn is currently the WBO World Welterweight Champion. The computer has him ranked at number one at welterweight, which is pretty surprising considering some of the other welterweights out there, a la Errol Spence. But nonetheless, he's ranked at number one. He's 30 years old, five foot nine, 68 inch reach. He does have one draw uh, on his uh, resume, uh, and that uh, 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 took place early in his career in 2013 against an 11 and three guy. You know, when I look at Jeff Horn, uh, the fight that sticks out really is the Manny Pacquiao fight. He used pressure, and uh, Manny Pacquiao took his foot off the gas and ended up losing his title. That's where Jeff Horn won his title. His last fight uh, was against a, a guy that had an impressive looking record, but wasn't too impressive himself in Gary Cochran. Uh, he does have a win over Ali Fanica, which is an impressive win. And despite being an old guy, uh, he stopped Randall Bailey. And Randall Bailey is, is known for his punching power. Jeff Horn is a limited fighter. He's a guy that puts on a lot of pressure. Uh, he throws a lot of punches. His accuracy isn't that great. How's this fight going to be? Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a typical Terrence Crawford fight. I, I think that uh, Jeff Horn is in this fight because of his uh, heart, his determination, and his style. Um, but he's going to find pretty quickly that Terrence Crawford is not an aging Manny Pacquiao who has become more of a humanitarian than a fighter. Manny Pacquiao has lost that mean streak, something that Terrence Crawford definitely has not lost. I'm predicting a big win for Terrence Crawford. As a matter of fact, he's going to knock out Jeff Horn. Sal, how do you think it's going to go? Wow. Let's go to the videotape. I'll tell you what. Uh, Bill, I love it. I love it. You gave the nuts and bolts of each fighter and uh what can you say about terence crawford you can't say much more the guy has earned his bones the guy has done well he is a world class uh world pound for pound fighter jeff horn i almost put him in a, in in, a, in the same category 
not for any lack of uh, respect or anything, as when I first was getting to know Billy Joe Saunders. And Jeff Horn was relatively unknown by me uh, until he did fight Manny Pacquiao. And yes, the Jeff Horn I saw that night was determined. He had heart. He had the pressure. He put the pressure on Manny. Manny, for lack of a better term, was just a one-dimensional fighter at that night and not, not doing too much of the old Manny that we would expect. So Jeff Horn rose to the occasion. Jeff Horn knew he owned that Manny Manny that night, and he was going to make uh, make it that fight go the way he wanted, and he did. And I, I looked at the fight several times, and I did aside and see that Jeff Horn won that fight. Now, the Jeff Horn that's going to show up against Terrence Crawford, does he notch it up even more? Do we see uh, another level of a Jeff Horn uh, going against one of the best fighters he's ever faced and that's going to be Terrence Crawford and like you said not an aging Manny Pacquiao so can Jeff Horn do that and stay in tough with uh, with Terrence Crawford throughout the fight and earn a decision or get lucky and knock him out I don't see that happening I see what you suggested that Terrence Crawford is going to be the master that he is he may give a round or two away to assess what Ter- with, uh, Jeff Horn has but ultimately, what uh, Terrence Crawford is going to do with Jeff Horn, he's going to figure him out, and he's going to uh, move and box and hit him and uh, slip punches and be in range to strike him. And I, too, see uh, a late-round stoppage, and Jeff Horn will give it his all. He won't give up. But by cut or by knockout, Jeff Horn will not be at the end of the fight with his hand raised. And I see Terrence Crawford beating Jeff Horn in this main event. You, so you think it's going to be by stoppage too, huh? I do. I do. Yeah. I, like I said, I think Jeff Horn is a gutsy fighter. He's a gamer fighter. He's good. But I think, you know, like I said, I think we, we've seen some hints of, of, of uh, the best Jeff Horn. Now, like I said, could he notch it up and rise to the occasion against Terrence Crawford, uh, who's a superior dance partner than what he's faced in the past, meaning Jeff Horn. But... I think uh, I think we 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 still have seen a sustained level and an improving and an even better Terrence Crawford each time he gets an opportunity to show us what he has. Jeff Horn, I, I just for whatever reason I don't think he's gonna be able to notch it up enough to beat Terrence Crawford. No disrespect, I just think Terrence Crawford is that much more of a special fighter than Jeff Horn. I, you know, I actually thought you were going to go with Jeff Horn because I know he's he, you love that style fighter. I, I, I love that style of fighting, but the bottom line is, yeah, and can he get lucky? Can he catch Terrence Crawford? Can he do something? Can the pressure? I think with, with even Jeff Horn being at his best, I think Terrence Crawford is an intellectual, a smart fighter. I think he'll take whatever he can if if Terrence Crawford's putting that pressure on him, if Terrence Crawford's coming forward, if Terrence Crawford's trying to uh, cut off the ring. As I said, I think that uh, – uh, I mean, uh, Jeff Horn trying to cut off the ring, trying to put the pressure on Terrence Crawford. I think that Terrence Crawford will assess, take a step back, take a deep breath, and figure him out by the fourth round, fifth round, and you'll see dominance starting to uh, be, uh, be uh, evident from Terrence Crawford over Jeff Horn. And I do see that Jeff Horn will not go down quietly, will not to give up a fight. He'll have his heart in there. And I see either Terrence Crawford cutting him uh, and, and in late late rounds and uh, probably a stoppage 
or I do see uh, Terrence Crawford actually knocking him out. You know, the one thing about this fight, Je Jeff Horn, I think, is going to employ the same game plan he did against Manny Pacquiao. He's going to be aggressive and come forward. The only thing that he may want to try to do is put his foot on, and I'm talking about Jeff Horn, put his yeah. foot on the gas pedal very quickly, knowing that Terrence Crawford has a tendency to, to feel out an opponent for the first two, three, four rounds and maybe, uh, you know, try and rock him a little bit early. Yes. The, the, yes. the thing is, is that Terrence Crawford, I can't recall him ever being rocked. Uh, and, no. and, you know, his hand speed and counter-punching ability is so good. I, I think what's going to happen, and remember, Manny Pacquiao had Jeff Horn, and, and for all intent and purposes, that fight should have been stopped in that round where Pacquiao just was beating him to a yeah. pulp. Tell you uh, what, I agree. And and then they let the fight continue, and Manny Pacquiao either ran out of gas, shot his load, or took his foot off the gas because he thought that he did enough to win. Whatever was the case, he lost that fight. That's not going to happen with Terrence Crawford on Saturday night. Terrence Crawford, if Jeff Horn rocks him, or if Jeff Horn comes out, uh, you know, like a gangbuster with his foot, uh, you know, pegged all the way on the pedal, uh, he better expect Terrence Crawford to all of a sudden open it up because Terrence Crawford loves to fight in the pocket. He's not afraid to. He exchanges. He can get in and get out and get back in. You know, he's uh, he's a, a definition of a sweet science kind of a guy. You know, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, we'll just see how long, uh, uh, you know, Horn can, uh, can, can hang in there. Um, I got a couple of emails I want to read here. Uh, this first one's from Jesse. He says, hey, guys, uh, here are my picks. I'm picking Crawford to knock out Horn in five rounds. Uh, Mares versus Leo Santa Cruz, a draw in a very tough fight. Do you think this fight is more attractive than the Horn-Crawford fight? Um, Jesse says, I think so. I, I think it's going to be a more competitive fight. I, I said earlier, uh, I think that the most competitive fight this weekend is uh, Leo Santa Cruz against Abner Mares. Uh, they they don't like each other too much, and... Uh, uh, Abner Marys feels uh, he, he got robbed in the first fight and certainly has paid his dues to earn the second one. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he says uh, Antonio Moran stopping Jose Pedraza. Jose Benavidez uh, knocking out Rojas late. Charlo knocking out Trout in six. Hooker uh, stopping uh, Terry Flanagan late. See, I'm picking Terry Flanagan to win that fight. Uh, Diego De La Hoya, which is another fight over Selgado. He says, uh, what's your thoughts on Enrique Colazzo? Uh, he's, he's, he's got a ways. He's, I, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Let me just say that. He said, Triple G should move on from Canelo and fight other tough opponents and make his history. Um, you know, I, I think the sport of boxing has not been kind to Triple G and neither have the fans. I think Triple G should, uh, uh, look to, uh, either, either fight Canelo you know, either either take everything out on Canelo and just beat the living crap out of Canelo or look to fight Billy Joe Saunders and call it a day. Either way, if I'm Triple G and if I'm his manager or, or advisor, I'm telling him, let's look for one more fight for you, Triple G. Let's get you the biggest money we can. Let's go out with a bang and walk away from boxing uh, Marvin Hagler-esque. Uh, that's what I would do if I was Triple G. Uh, he says, uh, what's your thoughts on that, Sal? I mean, uh, what's your thoughts with, with, uh, with what I think Triple G should do right now that just came out of my mouth that I didn't even think of thanks to uh, Jesse? But uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, here you go again. Uh, what I think, 
I'm going to tell you, Bill, uh, you're not going to like it. I think Triple G's got to do whatever he can do to get in a ring with Canelo Alvarez and just beat him up and just knock him out. I think Triple G will personally uh, have that passion to do so uh, for the naysayers of that draw. It's hard to carry around that in a fighter's life, knowing that uh, maybe there was something that didn't go right. And I think that might be one of the demons that could creep up later on. And I don't want him to regret it. I'd rather see if he only has one or two fights left, he's got to right the ship. And he's got to get in a ring with Canelo Alvarez, whether we like it or not. And uh, I think he's got to be dominant. He's got to do what he can do. And he's got to knock Canelo Alvarez out. And well, I think that if he chooses to be his last fight, he can go in a, in a, in a down riding along in a sunset with his head held, held high and everything else. Billy Joe Saunders, that's, a, that's another good opponent and a good fight. But I'd rather, in my, my mind, I'd rather see him get in a ring with Canelo Alvarez and put that exclamation mark. Uh, behind that KO victory or behind the victory. I can't disagree. I, like like I was saying, you know, I, I just think that one more fight uh, just to, you know, uh, show boxing that he is what he is and whether it be against Canelo or Billy Joe Saunders and with an exclamation point, just like you suggest, and then walk away. I, I You know, there's no reason for him to hang on. You see, that's what the naysayers and the anti-Triple G people want. They want him to hang on, and they want him to... Until he gets uh, beat. Right. That's what's going to happen. And then they're going to say, oh, well, he was exposed. I told you so. Yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't that, that good. He wasn't that good, you know. Uh, so, uh, whatever. But uh, uh, anyway, last thought from Jesse says, Billy, what's your thoughts on Bivol versus Isaac Chalimba? Uh, is this a step-back fight for Bivol, much rather than much like his fight against Joe Smith Jr.? Um, you know, the, the, the problem with Dimitri Bivol is that, again, we're dealing with a guy that, you know, unless you're a diehard boxing fan, you don't know who the hell he is, regardless of how good he is. Uh, I, you know, honestly, even though he very well may be the best light heavyweight uh, in the sport today, he doesn't have the names on his resume to prove it. Uh, you know, everybody wants to see a showdown with him and Sergey Kovalev. This might be a, a point where he may... Uh, you know, get uh, Kovalev next, providing Kovalev wins. Another fight that people wanted to see was Bivol finally beat the crap out of the fraud up there in Canada, uh, Adonis Stevenson or Chickenson, whatever you want to call him. You know, um, Chickenson will probably pick uh, Kovalev uh, before he picks Bivol. Uh, so Bivol has to just be patient. One of those two guys is in Bivol's future, whether it be Kovalev or Chickenson. Uh, and then possibly both, you know, fight one, then the other. I think Isaac Chalimba is that that normal progression for Bivol. Uh, even though he's a champion of sorts, uh, Isaac Chalimba is a tough uh, uh, opponent, and it does not surprise me that he's uh, uh, taken this fight. Just keep in mind, he's, on, he's the co-main event on the Kovalev card, which very easily could be setting up. Uh, a matchup with Kovalev in the future. One thanks for the email, Jess. One last email. This one's from uh, my man James, and he says, uh, "Hey Billy C, forgive me if you guys have already covered this, but now that Triple G versus Canelo is defunct, which it may not be, 
based on today's show. Um, what should what Sal said yesterday, by the way. Um, he said, uh, what should Triple G's next move be? I think he should uh, remove Canelo from his proverbial Rolodex and set his sights on Deveranchenko. For that matter, another fight with Jacobs would be a barn burner. As far as I'm concerned, Canelo is irrelevant. What do you think? Um, you know, Deveranchenko, like Sal and I said, he he probably should have went with Deveranchenko rather than Martiroshian. I think it would have uh, resolved a lot of issues, even though it seems to me that the IBF took their 20 grand and still screwed Triple G. Um, you know, it, it's it's really making me lose interest in the sport. I got to be honest with you people. Um, as far as Canelo, you know, what bothers me about Canelo, not only because I was such a big fan, yeah. but what bothers me about Canelo is that he, he's somehow not being held accountable for for cheating and and you know uh, you know his arrogance and and the fact that he you know is still uh you know blaming it on the tainted beef whether it's true or not you got to be accountable he was the one that ate the tainted beef he was the one that that tested positive not once but twice you know i i mean this is a guy that should have stood up said i was wrong i got i got handed first of all he got handed a, a cheesy little slap on the wrist but he should have went up the way he could have, uh, uh, you know, uh, approached this to say, listen, I, I, it wasn't, you know, even though I, I don't agree with not, you know, making an excuse, he could have said, listen, uh, I, I ate tainted beef. It was my fault. I ate it. I shouldn't have ate it. I didn't know it, but I ate it. I'm, uh, you know, with sir, I'll serve my sentence and I'll come back and prove that I'm a clean fighter. That's all he had to say. That's all he had to do. And, and and it's not that hard. We're a forgiving people. You know, the problem is he didn't. And 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 then not only that, but, you know, he gets some corrective surgery, takes a little vacation. I mean, this guy's enjoying this. And he becomes the victim all of a sudden. And Triple G gets stripped. He gets dragged through the mire. He has to accept less money. All these things. You know, and, and I just don't understand where the just justification is. You know, it, it's the only sport that you can screw up and pull all kinds of shenanigans and come out looking like the good guy. I, I just, I, I just, it boggles my mind. You know, like I said just a few moments ago, James, if I were a Triple G, I would do one of two things right now. Either make sure that I can make the Canelo fight happen in September or make sure I can make a fight in September happen against Billy Joe Saunders. Either way, my last fight would be in September and I'd walk away from this sport that has screwed me so much. That's what I would do if I was Triple G. I mean, I, you know what? It serves the sport right. And, you know, people could uh, uh, cry about it for, for future generations, just like we still cry about Marvin Hagler walking away uh, from uh, boxing after uh, he was uh, potentially robbed uh, from Sugar Ray Leonard. So, uh, uh, and the judges and Las Vegas. I mean, you see, the, you see the pattern here, Sal? It's not like it hasn't taken place before. No, it's like male pattern baldness. You can figure it out. What's happening? I'm teasing. Hey, listen. Uh, you know, listening to you, like I said, Bill, I, I, I love listening because you, you do know and you are a boxing person. So it's great to hear from the master. But I will tell you this. Um, if Triple G has one fight remaining in his career, I want that to be 
against Canelo Alvarez. I got you. And and I, I, know, I and Triple I, G I, has two fights. Oh, no, I know I know who that going to be. Two fights. <laughs> Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, That's but, it. They but, go off into the sunset. But you know the funny thing is is that the IBF has ruined that that whole value. You see the IBF in I, one sweep swing over a fighter and again, no disrespect to Devorenchenko. But over a 14-0 fighter, 13-0, whatever the hell his record is, an unknown fighter in one sweep of, of a, in my opinion, a, a, a underhanded move has ruined the value. He, they have taken the money out of Billy Joe Saunders' pocket for the value of a fight yep. against Triple G. That's the God's honest truth, Sal. And you're 100% correct. Now... Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya would be 100% foolish if they didn't go after um, Canelo now because that's the big money fight. And let me tell you, we were talking about, hey, don't don't count on on uh, Canelo fighting Daniel Jacobs, and a lot of people think, watch, he's going to fight uh, Spike O'Sullivan. Watch, maybe he goes and fights Devorinchenko and picks yes. up the IBF title. Yes. I mean, I mean, I come like on. <laughs> come on. I mean, I mean, we we all know we, we we all know we all know that That's that Canelo and, and Oscar De La Hoya are going to try to copy Floyd and pick the easiest, best, quickest way to a title. And guess what, boys and girls? That's Sergey Devorinchenko right now. All of a sudden the belt that was stripped from and then they could turn around and drag it out another six months and make Triple G wait till May. You see, they they want Triple G to age. They're still scared, like you said. But uh, anyway, oh this wow. this this <laughs> webs that this sport weaves, huh? Unbelievable, it does. unbelievable. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty sad, pretty sad. But uh, anyway, um, obviously we didn't take a break, but uh, I do have the trivia question. Uh, no correct answers yet, so it's still open. I know this is a tough one, and I'm actually uh, uh, pulling for, for the uh, uh, bragging and cocky Johnston who says, that, you know, he's the reigning champ and he wants to win it and all this stuff. And I gave him a deal, like, uh, I forget who, who it was uh, also uh, overseas, and, and I said, okay, you, if you get this next one right, if you're the first one to get this one right, uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll spend the extra money. And I'll send him something really nice. And he's got a choice of a, uh, one of our T-shirts or, or a book, which, you know, may not sound like a lot. But when you're shipping it over to England, <laughs> trust me, it's a lot. Um, and he says, and he has a nerve. My man Johnson has a nerve to say, well, you better make sure it's a tough one. Oh, okay, I will. You know, and uh, here's the question uh, for everybody, including Johnston. Johnston's got the pressure on it because he's got to get this answer first. Uh, in order to get his book or, or T-shirt. But um, uh, here's the uh, question. What was the biggest height difference between two f men, fighters, they're male fighters, in the same division for a world title fight? So these two guys fought in the same division for a world title fight. What was the biggest height difference? And by the way, you got to exclude heavyweights. I've gotten several answers already, but they're all heavyweights. Uh, exclude means... Don't include them. Any division but the heavyweight division. So what is the biggest height, height difference between two men in the same division for a world title fight, excluding the heavyweight division? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. 
you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, unless you're Johnston, in which case uh, you'll get something else. But uh, uh, anyway, good luck to everyone on that. Hey, Sal, you got any final thoughts today? A lot of things changed in the last 24 hours. Um, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm very anti-boxing today. Um, <laughs> I, you know, oh, I am just on. I am just so pissed at at the way this sport. You know, here we are in the middle of a resurgence, and a and not just a fly by night resurgence. We're we're in a solid resurgence. You can make an argument that it's been well over two and a half years. Of, of you know really good matchups and 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 competitive uh, weight classes etc cetera, etc cetera. and boxing always seems to have a knack for ruining itself you know devouring itself and the IBF has clearly taken a step in that direction uh, any final thoughts today before we uh, kick everybody to the coib well I, I just wish that uh, the the boxing people, the sanctioning bodies, the the formulation of how these great fights are made, and and, uh, and and you know, it should be provided on a level to the fans uh, and the concerned personnel that that want to see the whole sport of boxing to continue on its path to growth again and the resurgence, as we suggest. Uh, it has been good. It has been very good, and you know the two big blocks right now that we're facing are two big fights that we're waiting for as fight fans and the world would be the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder in the heavyweight division and as you know for sure Canelo Alvarez and Triple G in a middleweight division it's not that they're holding up the sport to progress along but throughout the fight game you know there's been the stellar weight classes there's been the stellar fights that 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 have Fed into the the uh, appetites of fans that uh, that kept them chomping at the bit, uh, and these are the two main fights that the fans want to see happen soon or happen this year. And I think that uh, uh, for whatever powers that may be that will be preventing these fights from happening, it's going to hurt where the boxing world has gained or where the boxing sport has has positioned and has leveraged and has been on the right track. It'll be a big stumbling block, but instead of taking three steps forward and one step back, you know, it's going to be taking the two steps forward and one step back. So uh, I hope that the people that uh, have the say and have the where but worth all can uh, look past and see what's good for the sport of boxing and uh, let it all pan out and, and let's let's give the fight fans and the, the game of sport and the sanctity of boxing what it deserves and that's the best fighting the best and the world champions to be met up with the number one contenders and let's hope that uh, happens this year to continue on this path listen boys and girls enjoy all the fights whichever ones you choose to watch this weekend uh and uh do me a favor uh i will tell you this we'll definitely be doing a show on monday at least so uh, make sure you tune in monday morning same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.